Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. Well, hello, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our Pin Leader podcast. I'm very excited to have a wonderful guest with me here today. I want to do her introduction and her bio justice. Um, it, it's rather lengthy, uh, but I will try to do my best. And she is an amazing leader, so we're excited to have her on the show she is now a co-owner of Armstrong Steel Erectors and a prior owner of Ebony Construction for more than 20 years. She's also the president of the Empowerment Group. She's been a strong advocate for a number of programs in the diversity space and businesses. Uh, she's been known and has testified actually before Congress uh, before the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And she also serves as a director of the Associated General Contractor of America's National Board of Directors, uh, a former 2019 chairman of the Board of Directors of the Ohio Contractors Association, where she was the first woman of color. Um, and, you know, that's history making right there. So that's a whole other show. Uh, but as a leader, uh, but she sits on a number of boards. Uh, she's passionate about our local community, Toledo Lucas County Board Authority, um, the Historic South Initiative Board. Uh, she's doing global work, uh, M&A Culture Building Institute. She sits on bank boards, and I know she's uh, actually volunteers and supports a local community, but she's ambassador. Um, and I'll have her talk about that in Guatemala. I think that's um, a wonderful opportunity. But what's something that individuals don't know in her leadership is that she's also a certified life coach. And so that leads us to our topic here today about the precarious future of care. And so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Amy Hall. Well, hello, and thank you so much for that extremely generous introduction. Oh my goodness, it's like so incredible like to hear the things like you've done because you go through life wondering like, have I done enough? Am I doing enough? And so like when I listen, I'm like, who is she talking about? And I'm like, oh man, like that sounds like me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity to be here and the wonderful generous introduction. Well, thank you. I, I have to say it's amazing when I look at how much you're doing and then that you're taking care of self and then helping others take care of self. So, you know, can you share a little bit about uh, care? Because the precarious of care, there's this whole piece about, you know, um, unfortunately, the disengagement of the workforce that's happening. And you've had a number of workforce situations, opportunities. But I, I saw a Gallup um, report that 51% of employees are disengaged at work and 13% of them are actively disengaged, which means they're miserable and then they're negative in the workplace. 
which really leaves, if you're doing the math, only 36% of the workforce is engaged. And there's a lot of contribution to the fact that they're not engaged because they feel people don't care. So that's why we're talking about the precarious uh, future of care. Can you talk a little bit about what you see, what you've seen in the past, what you're seeing and trending now? And so I think that's like such an important topic because, and I'm going to go relate it to being in the construction field where the statistics show that in construction, there is a very high suicide rate amongst people who are construction workers. And you ask yourself why? And I, I really don't have an answer to why, but it leads to an awareness and conversations that need to happen that historically probably haven't happened. Because when you think about life in the construction world, you think about it as it's a very tough, it's a very rugged, it's a very solid individual who works there. But obviously, um, there's something about that individual who is not, they're not able to express what they need to express and to create connections with people. And so they feel disengaged and they feel alone and isolated. And I think in our culture is shifting to really begin to have an awareness. And you hear a lot about, a lot of talk about mental health and mental awareness and um, employers really starting to do lunch and learns and offer opportunities to their people to be able to um, reach out to counselors and to be able to begin to have discussions about these things because they are so significant. And then you factor into coming out of COVID where we were isolated and technology, right? We are in our own little silos as we engage in our phones. And yes, in some ways, we are incredibly connected to people through Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, or I think it's X now, and, and you know all of these social media outlets, but yet we are so disengaged because we are alone. And we, so it creates a really interesting, real, not real reality, right? So it's real in the sense of it's in, it's in this virtual world, but it's not real in the sense of this is not how people engage outside of technology. And so I think we have a really, really great opportunity to talk about care, mental care, physical care, emotional care, without it being related to a stigma of maybe weakness or a stigma of we don't talk about these things because we're fine. And at the end of the day, we're not as fine as we think we are. And sometimes we are, sometimes we are fine, but, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to have an outlet and we don't need to be able to create connections with people. And I think care comes with connecting. So when you're connected with people, you feel a different sense of groundedness and a different sense of community in a day and age of isolation and silos. So I think care is a great, great, great topic to be talking about. That's interesting because I, I was thinking about this uh, when I, I worked with staff for a number of years and uh, there was always this moment and it happens, I think, in area, especially you're leading teams as a leader life happens outside of the workplace uh, trials tribulations people come into the workplace and they feel they can't even leave it at home they've brought home with them 
And I, I've actually, uh, as a leader, there's a balance, you know, there's work to be done. There's demands that are in the workplace. But I, I think, and I believe that the strongest leaders and effective leaders are the ones that take the moment to ask, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing? Can, can you go and take some time off? And I've actually had arguments uh, with individuals to try to encourage them, no, 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 this can wait. Uh, and But they don't want it to wait. They don't want to let people down. And I, I think that missing the whole with care, missing the fact that you're letting yourself down if you're not having that opportunity to take the time that you need. Plus, I think this, these statistics that were talked about you know, that's, there's a reason why people are disengaged. Their lights burn out. They only have these little lights and they only have so much time. And in the, the day, you know, what is, what is important? I think that people, I think number the, one of the number one things that I've learned as being a leader in my company and different companies and organizations that I am and have been involved in, that people have to feel that they matter. And so when people feel that they matter, it shows them a level of you care because you have taken time out to be able to focus in on someone outside yourself. And I think we live in our day and age when so many things we have been taught and we're inundated with is about self, self-awareness, self-care, self-thing, all these things about self, which is absolutely wonderful because I, I I'm very big in you know self-awareness self-care get your get yourself together but however there has to be a, a notice and an awareness of people outside yourself that we live in this community we work in organizations we work in offices and all of these things where we're interacting daily with people all the time and so if we are just living in our own little bubble about me, 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 we forget that there are people outside of us that are we. And we as human beings, we are all connected. Whether or not we want to acknowledge it or not, we are. We're all connected. We're all connected by, you know, vibes and things like that. You walk into a room and you feel a vibe and you're like, ooh, or oh, this feels great, or ooh, what's going on here? So so we're all connected by vibrations and energy. And so it is really our job, like the whole, it takes a village to raise a child. We still live in those villages. And so I think there's an awareness that needs to come back into the village and that we are our brother's keeper at the end of the day. So my coworker, my employee, my child, my husband, my wife, whoever these people are outside myself um, need me to show up and be present and be full so I can give them the, my undivided attention. And I think it starts with, like I go, I go back to having people feel like they matter. And when you're engaging with people, put your phone down for a second and give them eye contact and give them your undivided attention so they can then connect with you at a whole new level and you begin to deepen your relationship and and deepen the connection as people with each other i think that what you just said about putting your phone down i i can't say enough how uh many times it is i don't say rude but it's just a sense of are you even connected with the conversation and it may be as innocent they may be looking at the phone uh, because they're trying to catch up or something just happened that's 
pull their attention away. And there's so much going on with attention uh, in just in our world. You have to take a moment to hyper focus, but everything is trying to pull in our attention. Everything needs demands like right now, a quick turnaround. Uh, one of the things that I know has been a popular statement has been, you know, about ghosting, not returning calls, not uh, returning text. And it takes a moment to return it. But as the length of time goes by, people think that you don't care because you're not responding. Now, it could be that some people are not responding because they don't care or they're not sure what the answer is. So they can't give you an answer. So they don't answer at all. But there seems like to I would be, uh, you know, the epidemic of ghosting seems to be the big thing. Um, and it's not what I would suggest, especially if you're working on brand and you're trying to hold up a professionalism. It shows that you may not care for that client or you may not care for the interaction with that individual. And you just um, I'd say something. I mean, it, uh, you can't get together right now. Too busy. Or, you know, that's probably not going to work out. We're not going to be able to have, but at least have the power to say no, or at least say something. I don't know if you're finding that too. It's really interesting. I am definitely seeing that. And, and it's, it's almost like twofold, right? So you have like one conversation of, oh, you're ghosting me. And another conversation of like, to just take a breath right? People have lives outside of text messages and people have lives outside of emails. And so maybe it's just not personal. Maybe it's just not about us all the time, but I think we live in this extremely sensitive, um, environment. So it's auto, it's our automatic response is <gasps> they don't like me or they're upset with me or they don't want to talk to me. And, and, I would suggest that people just taking a breath and taking a pause and realizing that there could be another perspective to this situation. And so maybe somebody hasn't responded back, but that doesn't mean they're ghosting you. Maybe they just have so much on their plate that their, their emotional capacity is tapped out at that time and that they will get back to you as soon as they are functionally and humanly possible and able to. And so I, it, I think it really gives us a great opportunity for us to get out of our perspective and looking at things and always like labeling things as good or bad or this or that and walking around a situation, looking at it from another perspective and being able to say, Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't take this as personally as it does, as it is or whatever. Maybe let me look at it from here and, oh, you know what? That's right. That person is going through here or they're traveling or this and that and that and that. So I think that's one way to look at it. And then on, you know, the duality in life and on the same breath, I think there's an awareness of the person who's not responding. I think they need to have an awareness of what this means to the person on the other end of the conversation and how they take it. And so to your point, just say, you know, not able to talk right now. I'll call you when I can, or to answer your question. Yes, we can discuss at a later date. And so I think there's an awareness that needs to come on both sides and both perspectives. So the, the originator of the text message or whatever has an awareness that maybe life isn't always so personal. And then the person on the other end needs to make it a little more personal, right? 
for the other person. And so they can say, okay, you know what? It might not be that big a deal to me. However, I know my friend, I love my friend or my coworker. I need to maintain this relationship. And to your point is professionalism. So let me just respond back in a way in which might be short and sweet, but at least it's an acknowledgement of what they have done. So I think it's a balance between the two. I think the fact that we even have a name associated with this says that it has become more. Uh, <laughs> when I when I first heard, it, I didn't even know what it meant. I said, "What what does this mean?" And, and I think that uh, you're right. I think even trending. I think back 20 years ago, mom, you just didn't get a call back, so you didn't think about you didn't think about. It. I'm like, okay, and you may not have pursued the individual, or you didn't wasn't. Um, but with the age of social media and the texting and all of those pieces of immediate, almost a gratification of getting a hold of someone. That's also when you look at as a leader in a workplace, uh, the demands of the workplace may say, well, I need you on call. Well, what does that mean? There's got to be boundaries, right? So if it's not answering that text, it's because there's a boundary could be set. Uh, as well. And so if the leader doesn't recognize the fact that it's too intrusive, and especially if you're trying to get workforce to stay, uh, individuals have choices where to work. Um, they have choices on what they're going to do, um, where they're going to work for, what they're going, their own boundaries. And I think, I, I do believe that COVID helps set some um, a little bit more boundaries. I think back uh, in my my neighborhood, saw more people out enjoying life where they, because they were kind of shuttered in. And so I saw people that I hadn't even seen before in my neighborhood. I'm like, that's my neighbor who I've never seen them before. And so I just, um, looking at the situation and then when, uh, COVID and not being locked down, people went back to the lives. Some of them went back, but many people did not. And so, you know, can you speak, you're a global traveler, global traveler, uh, Guatemala, that's a passion um, that you have. Can you speak to that? Because that's a whole other part of you and is part of you uh, and makes you, again, a great leader because you have this part of uh, giving back. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, Guatemala is just an incredible country. Um, I have had the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of a hospice and the hospice is for children with cancer. And I went there, I think it was like seven years ago, eight years ago now, and just fell in love with the kids, fell in love with what's going on, and fell in love with the idea of that these children are in their end stages with such dignity, and not only dignity, but they were awake, and they were aware, and they weren't sedated. They were just not in pain. And they were there, able to be there with their families. So they had mothers and siblings there. And then there was one little boy. I remember when we went around, and my children were with me, actually. And there was one little boy who didn't have parents. And he was there, and a social worker was sitting with them, with him. And so as you think about this little boy, he clearly understands that he is at the end of his life. And he is sitting in a room. Um, not just by himself, but, you know, not with your mother or your father or your siblings. He's sitting in a room with a social worker 
And it just touched my heart in, in such a way that I just felt so connected and I felt like I wanted to do something. Like there was something that I can do to help the hospice continue what it is doing at no charge for these families. So this hospice runs on all private donations and the medical care comes from the National Children's Hospital that is in Guatemala City. That is by far second to none, very similar to St. Jude's Medical Center and some of their protocols are equivalent. And so these kids who unfortunately don't go into remission, their cancer has become terminal are able to have their end days in a beautiful place amongst like um, green gardens and playgrounds and rooms that are just light and bright and filled with just joy, as much joy and peacefulness as that can that can happen. And so it's just each each child has a different story. And um, another story was one young man he was 21 and we were there and we got a chance to meet him and his biggest concern was a number one how his parents are going to be when he passes on and his car payment because he had a car and so he wanted to you know make sure that he had to was paying for his car but he's in hospice and so it's just those things where people are concerned about their parents and their families and not even about themselves. There's no pity about poor me. It was just like, I feel so bad for my parents. And so when you think about that and you think about in our companies and you think about parenting and you think about relationships, you think about getting outside yourself to be able to care about things bigger than you. And I think that's what the hospice Um, in Guatemala allows me to do is to care about something and some people that are bigger than myself, that are, um, are in a different situation in which maybe I can take some aspect of what I've been so blessed and so grateful about and be able to share with them the blessings that I've been given. You know, it's interesting about the um, the little boy and just becoming aware of where you are at the end of life and hoping that probably in his heart, hoping someone would care enough to have, um, the time and the resources to help him. And I, you know, just hats off to you on so much work that you do, um, that you do travel and you make a point of that global perspective. I think that, you know, in leadership, we talk about, I always uh, refer to the three facets of the, uh, the strength of character, you know, and being able to weather the storms and being sharp and having experience and the education when needed to get the job done, uh, you know, but there's also staying the course, uh, being straight, knowing where you're going with your planning. And it, that's very thought out. It's not like you did it on a whim. I'm going to Guatemala and I'm going to take a look. You did your research. You knew, you observed, you got in it. Um, and I think that's very important. I think as leadership, that effective leadership is to make sure to get in it, uh, to experience it um, so that you can go in and then make good decisions. Because how would you know 
if you were just watching online, you wouldn't have experienced it by, you know, going there and feeling what was going on in the space. And just you telling the story, I could visualize what was going on with that little boy. Um, you know, I was one of the biggest pieces, uh, again, with this engagement and care, if you could give advisement, and I think you were talking about with the workplace specifically, and if you could give like three pointers to leaders that are out there, they're trying, they're struggling to find workforce that, that I know a number have come to our firm. We work with, uh, you know, strategic planning and leadership development, but we work on building culture. It's one of the biggest concerns is, you know, can you help us find a, a fit? Uh, those that would be interested in working in our culture, uh, our environment, our workplace, and then um, how do we keep them, retain them? So if you could take a moment and just what in your experience, if you've been successful in so many areas, could you please uh, point out a few pointers for us, top three at least? Absolutely. I think the, and I said this earlier, I think the number one thing is people have to know they matter to you as a leader. And they have to know that at the end of the day, that work is not just work. You really want to create a culture of family because everybody wants to belong and be a part of something. And so when you feel that the person who you are looking at or who is you know running your organization um, cares, you feel like you matter and that what you do matters. And I think that that a number one is number one. I think number two, we as leaders have to be able to have a flexibility and not just a rigidity of this is the way we've done everything before. And so therefore it was successful, it was successful for my grandfather, it was successful for my mother, it was successful for me. And I think there is um, some truth to that. I think you have to take some of the components that made um, businesses and people very successful. I think you have to do that, but also recognize we live in a very dynamic day and age and people's needs and um, our workforce is changing and their ideologies are changing and what they need is changing. And so you have to be able to meld and open up to new ideas and new ways of doing things. I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and somebody was talking about their workday and how they have changed their workday to accommodate their employees. It wasn't just your traditional eight hour a day, one hour lunch break. It was a very progressive way to do things. But if you want to attract and retain the workforce, you have to get outside the box, change your perspective and be open to new ideas and be open and have that flexibility to be able to say, okay, even though we haven't done it this way, that maybe we need to do it this way moving forward. And I think the third thing that a leader, especially nowadays needs to do, is realize that this is not about me. That mm. I, people look and listen. And so your actions and your words have got to line up and mirror each other. 
because what you say and what you do has tremendous power because people are watching and they're watching all the time and they're looking at you. And so there has to be an integrity. There has to be authenticity and there has to be this synchronicity between the two of those pieces, what you say and what you do, because otherwise you're not believable because your actions might say this, but your words say this. So which part of you do they believe? They don't know what to believe. And so then people start making up stories and then the story becomes their reality and the truth. And therefore, then you start losing employees and employees start talking and it becomes very cancerous. So as a leader, your integrity and who you are has to line up at all times what you say and what you do have to mirror each other so that right there that uh straight's very clear there's no warping off to the left to the right staying focused and i think that uh making sure especially with your nonverbals, when you especially when you're talking about care you know your nonverbals, that you get your back turned to somebody and you know I, I really care about what's going on with you and you don't even looking you're not engaging with them uh, and you immediately ask them when you're going to get the report in. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is the opposite um, of definitely where you want to be and how you want to be viewed. And that hurts, uh, you know, brand, uh, especially as a leader. So uh, that has been great. And I, again, I, I know more is coming from you, Amy, as you've got so much going on with the different organizations and the empowerment group and different podcasts uh, that you're actually doing. And I'm very excited. And uh, you're a great partner of uh, Maze. Uh, we enjoy all the work that you do. And I, you know, I want to encourage uh, anyone listening, lift people up, encourage individuals, encourage your team members as well. I think that that's part of care. It's part of care. So with that said, I, I want to thank you again for joining me. Um, and I want to thank our listeners um, for tuning in. I, I have to say, we really appreciate the listeners we have. Remember uh, to always get straight to the topic point, strengthen your awareness, sharpen your mind whenever possible. And of course, uh, lean on shows like this for our podcast. So we hope that you're subscribed. So at this time and until next time. The Pen Leader Podcast is hosted by Dr. Shanda Gore and brought to you by Mason Associates LTD, creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development, strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader Podcast and share with others.